Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Thank you, Father. As Craig reminded us, we join our praise with the praise of the church around the globe, with the praise of all the saints that have ever lived with the praise of those in heaven eternally, with the angels and the archangels, in saying all glory and honour, all glory and honour and power and might and majesty are yours, for you alone are worthy. Lord, many are willing to open the seals and have the power, but only you are worthy. And we thank you for your love and for your sacrifice. We thank you that you have the name which is above every name, that at your name every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. We thank you for your church. We thank you that as you breathed your last and said it is finished, the the way was open for us, the way was open for your family to come back home. And we could be yours, carry your name, have your love, have your matchless grace that we have no right to, that we do not deserve. Thank you for the mercy we have received and the grace we have received. Above all, thank you for Jesus. And we ask that you speak to us now in these words of mine as you've spoken in our worship this morning. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In the matchless name of Jesus, the church said... Amen, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Uh, Welcome. Uh, Can I add my welcome to those of you who are online? Any visitors? Lovely to have you with us. I'm Graham Mabry, one of the pastors here, and I get the privilege of continuing, and also to add to Craig's thanks for the wonderful band that make all of this happen, our worship team and uh, sound and and, uh, vision guys and uh, out in the foyer and so on. But uh, I get to carry on this series on thankfulness. And I heard a story of an academic who was one of those people, I don't know if you met people like this, but he, he could find something to be thankful for in the most extraordinary of situations. And on one particular time, there was a big ceremony at his university, and as he came back into the staff room afterwards, he looked a little frazzled. There was a great splodge on his academic garb, and one of his colleagues said to him, uh, you look a bit frazzled. And he said, oh, you wouldn't believe it. On the way into the ceremony, a bird had a direct hit on me. I had to introduce the speaker, he was tediously dull, as interesting as watching paint dry. He came from Yale, he used Y-A-L-E as his talk structure, and he did 15 minutes on each, an hour of sitting through that. And the guy said, well, I guess you're thankful that he finished. He said, oh no, there's always more to be thankful for. Uh, As a matter of fact, I'm thankful that cows don't fly, and I'm thankful that that guy didn't study at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. Being thankful for the church is my topic today, and we're going, to take a, a, we're going to take a biblical view of this word church, not a cultural view. If you see the word church in your English Bible, or as most of you will know it, it comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which comes from two other words. Kaleo in Greek means to call, and ek means out. So the church is literally called out people. It's about people. Some of the early translators uh, used words like congregation or company. 
It's a fascinating story, but we can't go into it today. But the word church came to replace those. And that word, as you can see on the screen, comes from another Greek word, kuriakon. And that actually just means belonging to. Both those words were secular too, by the way. And so in the secular Greek world, kuriakon just meant it belonged to a Lord. Eventually it became, it belongs to the Lord, the Lord's house. It got, it got very much tied up with buildings. And it's not helpful. Our culture absolutely has that view. If you say church to our culture, they probably think two things, boring and building. Uh, and somewhere nice to get married, somewhere you go to. Well, today we're definitely taking the biblical view, ecclesia, the people, uh, the called out people. And we have just done a big survey of our ecclesia here. And I was delighted to hear Nick, our senior pastor, say last week that there were some serious issues that have been raised, uh, important issues that we'll prayerfully and carefully work through. But the overwhelming sense was that many, many, many people are thankful for this ecclesia. I wonder if you're thankful for this church or thankful for this, the church. And you might like to just think about why. And as you do, I'm going to ask Merle, my wife, to join me. Uh, and uh, she, just briefly, I want her to help me out here this morning. But uh, when I saw that I was being asked to speak on this topic, being thankful for the church, I just thought, oh my goodness, that's incredible. Because uh, it's in a very real way become our default position. Our family love us dearly and we them, but they live literally on the other side of the world, as most of you know, our sons, their wives, all our grandchildren. Come and join me though. And so this being thankful for this church has just gone to a whole new level. Merle says it better than me. And uh, I didn't, I, I uh, this is her least favorite thing in the world. It could be a long afternoon this afternoon, but I'm delighted she has agreed now. Uh, let's just put that on first. No, no, what you doing? Oh, good. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I could keep you here all day if I was to be thankful, to say all the things I am thankful to the Lord for. Um, but it's okay, I'll, I'll keep this brief. And I just want to say... When I was just a little girl, uh, my nana, my aunties, my mum, they were all strong Christians. So as a little girl, I went, gave my heart to the Lord. So I've had God's love and grace in my life since I was about six years old. So I've got a lot to be thankful for. So what I say, I could go on all day, bit by bit, how God provided and just amazing and also the other thing I'd, I'm particularly thankful for is um, because of our boys and their lovely families live on the other side of the world I thank the Lord for this church you are family to Graham and I and so I'll leave it there because I might start crying but you are such a blessing to us. So thank you, thank you. And I thank the Lord for the paying the price so that one day we'll all be in glory together. So thank you. Thanks, Thank you. I told you she said it better than me. And all those that are quietly praying that God would give me the same ability to be brief as my wife has. 
There's another side to this story. Yes, people are blessed and shaped in the church. People are hurt and wounded in the church. I don't think anyone in this room is sitting there now thinking, what? Wounded in church? I can't imagine such a thing. Sadly, we all know it. And uh, Merle and I know it personally. We, um, I'm thinking of a particular time decades ago, way before we came here. But we went through some deep, dark times. And uh, as a result of that, uh, one of the most uh, difficult times of our lives, actually. And we were wounded. And as a result of that, um, in fact, the church has been described as the only army that shoots its wounded. Merle and I experienced it and... Uh, well, it was deep, difficult, dark, and we reacted very differently. In my case, I decided I still wanted a relationship to Jesus, but I was done with this thing you call church. Pff, I'm done with that. I uh, had a chapter then in my life, the next chapter. It looked from the external area, it looked so successful. My career was booming. We had, uh, we had a family, we had a home, we had a marriage. We, everything looked great on the outside. But it was one of that, that choice. Uh, all right, Jesus, I want a relationship with you, but I'm done with this church rubbish. I'm wounded. Um, that was the most self-destructive chapter of my life. And because hurting people hurt people, I hurt a lot of other people and none more than Merle. Merle, on the other hand, just kept on loving the Lord, loving the church. She'd been through more than me, by the way. But she kept on loving the Lord, loving the church, and loving me until God's mercy and grace finally hunted me down. And I'm lovely to have this chance just to honour her for that. It can be challenging living with someone like Merle. You constantly feel selfish. But um, <laughs> I want to honour the fact that she has faithfully walked with Jesus without hesitation or wavering. I have never heard her complain about where our boys are. There are tears, and it sucks. But she keeps loving the church, loving the Lord, and loving me. What makes the difference? What makes the difference? How does thankfulness transform us? Our reading today, thankfulness is pretty important. You'll find, if you keep an eye out, it comes up three times in three verses. And in, this, in, in the book that it comes from, it occurs in chapter 1, 2, and 4, as well as our reading today from Colossians chapter 3. If you've got your Bible there electronically or physically, you might want to turn it up. Colossians chapter 3, and we'll start at verse 12. It's on the screen, of course. <laughs> Most of us use the SV at church these days, don't we? The screen version. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful, number one. Let the message of Christ um, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude, number two, in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, number three, to God the Father through him. Okay, so thankfulness is important. And the church, we said today, people are blessed and shaped and people are wounded. Here's a newsflash. 
It has always been like that. From the very beginning, as I prepared this week, an image that Dan used when he was speaking to us some time ago came back to me. He said, whenever Christians get together in any context for any reason, a large sign should be erected. Work in progress. Work in progress. We are works in progress. Do you know half the books of the New Testament are letters by Paul written to churches because they were works in progress? The book of Romans is written, at least in part, because of the tensions between the home churches, especially those Jewish and Gentile-based. Um, Corinth, <laughs> Corinth needed two letters to address the issues. Daniel Baird Wallace, who's the New Testament professor at Dallas Seminary, says, here is the book of Ephesians in six words. Christians, get along with each other. Soon after Pentecost, Ananias and Sapphira lied. The first food ministry ran into problems between the Greeks and the Hebrews. Uh, the, even the, the model church, the giving, generous, strong Philippine church, at Philippi, when he writes to them, Paul says, I beseech you, Odia and Syntyche, be of the same mind, iron out your differences, make up. If you look at those words that are on the screen, we're told to, to take compassion, put these things on, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and overall love. Why are you asked to put them on? Because you're going to need them. Because you're lumped in with a whole lot of other people who, like you, are works in progress. That, that's, that's the whole point. You see, the church is, and this kind of complicates it, the church is deliberately, incredibly diverse. It expresses God's diversity. So the, uh, the, in Ephesians, Paul writes this, the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord was that through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God in all its countless aspects might now be made known. So Jesus called tax collectors who collaborated with the Romans and zealots who wanted to kill them. In one group, he puts together the impulsive and impetuous Peter, the quick-tempered and demanding James and John, the introspective, sceptical Thomas, the warm, friendly Andrew. My goodness. And after Pentecost, it became even more staggering because Gentile and Jew are brought together. There's no more female and male. That's brought together. There's no more slave or free. There's a staggering diversity in the church. It's deliberate and it will never change. If you find a place where it's a group of people like us, we're all kind of the same, the same social class. It's very comfortable. We really like each other. Well, you might have found a social club, but you haven't found the church. If you find a place where everybody has to dress the same, talk the same, think the same, act the same, you've probably found a cult, but you haven't found the church. That's not what the church is. You'll notice I've highlighted the word the on the screen. The one eternal purpose of God. See, one of the things I think, I love the fact that God's not the author of confusion because he's not trying to do 27 things at once. He has one purpose. And that purpose, does it go back to the Garden of Eden? No. It goes way back, further than the Garden of Eden. It goes back before creation. In Ephesians 1, in the message translation, long before he laid down earth's foundations, he settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love, to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. 
God wants the most diverse family imaginable. He created us for loving relationship with him and with one another as sisters and brothers. Yes, it all went wrong in Eden, but Jesus paid the supreme price on the, on the cross and the way Wesley puts it, he restored to us more blessings than Adam lost. He makes us part of the family of God eternally. Back in 2017, Nick was coming, our senior pastor was coming back from a national conference and God dropped a phrase into his heart, God wants his family back. And he spoke on that at the recent World Prayer Summit, I believe. That's exactly what God's mission is and he asks us to join him on that mission. It is the one central, cosmically, eternally consequential thing that is happening in the world. <clears throat> Excuse me, at the bottom of the screen you get a sense of that. Again from Ephesians 1. Jesus is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the centre Christ rules the church because the church, you see, isn't peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. It's Christ's body in which he speaks and acts. See, this world seems overpowering and overwhelming. It seems to dominate centre stage. It certainly wants to dominate centre stage. And the church now is seen as a marginalised, um, largely irrelevant, shamed organisation. But the scripture says the opposite is true. The world is peripheral. If you think about it, empires come and go. The Assyrians, the Persians, the Romans. Despots and dictators strut their stuff and end up on the scrap heap of history. Celebrities and influencers burst into flame and vanish these days in shorter and shorter time periods. But through it all, at the centre, Christ rules the church, his body, the place where he speaks and acts. So it's always at the centre, Jesus the church will have to be diverse because it encompasses all of the wisdom of God, but always at the centre is Christ. However diverse the expression, if you find the church, not the social club or the cult, if you find the church, you will always find three things. The lordship of Jesus, the authority of scripture, and the transforming ministry of the Holy Spirit. Always find those three things. So in the church, the church we give thanks for, the prayer is always, come Holy Spirit. It's not a place where the Holy Spirit is grieved or quenched, where people seek to house train him. You'll always have the authority of scripture. But you know, I remember a time back in the day, most of you won't remember this, but I wonder how many in the room remember when we had all the debates about inerrancy. <laughs> they were fun times, not <clears throat> but the, the heart of that debate was, was God's word, was the Bible the inerrant word of God? And a marvellous New Testament scholar, for whom I have great respect, was being grilled on whether he believed the Bible was inerrant. And he, i never forget his reply. He said, well, do I believe the Bible is inerrant? Of course I do. Do I believe my current interpretation of all of the Bible is inerrant? Of course I don't. So the Bible is, the authority of Scripture will always be there. It won't be the authority of my interpretation of Scripture. It'll be the authority of what God means in Scripture. And there'll always, because you see, it'll always be the Lordship of Jesus, not the Lordship of me, not the Lordship of what I want or how I want this thing organised. That's not what the thing is about. 
I can't box God up. I can't house train him. Human structures may express the church, they often do, but they cannot contain it. You can't contain the church in some structure devised by humans. Christ rules the church, his body, in which he speaks and acts. What's Jesus like? Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one. That's why you're sitting here this morning. He leaves the 99 to go after the one wherever that one is, whoever that one is, whatever that one's condition, he goes for them. And guess where his body will be? Going right there with him. And they will not be contained by structures that humans put up. You know that silly old joke about someone in heaven on the first day and they're walking around heaven, the angel showing them around says, just be quiet here. Why? Well, you see that big fence? Yes, it's a big brick fence. Yeah, I see that. Well, the people behind that think they're the only ones here. (laughs) That is never going to be the case. God's diversity is part of his glory. There's so many significant moves of the Holy Spirit, if you look through church history, began outside the structures or across the structures. And they often caused consternation for the people inside the structures. The biggest move of God, Merle and I, I think have ever been involved in, certainly one of the biggest, spontaneously broke out among youth leaders and youth pastors across this city. And together, they then set themselves, they believe God wanted them to take a significant financial challenge. And the leaders of the city at the time were concerned. And, and it was good concern. But those leaders came together not to squash this, not to stamp it out, but to guide it and to support it. And those young leaders welcomed the guidance and support of the others and the fruit was beyond anybody's expectations. These days I'm more likely to be among those with consternation than those outside the structure doing their thing. And if something is happening and I'm trying to discern, you know, is this, is this God or is, is this, you know, should we be, what should we do about this? I have to know I'm not just defending my turf. I'm not just trying to look after my comfort zone. So the guidance of the Holy Spirit is vital, absolutely vital. The former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, said something that I think is very profound. He said, without the transformation of contemplative prayer, sort of thing we do on silent retreats and this prayer network that Craig's talking about today, taking time to let the Spirit speak to us, Williams says, without that... The church, beca- the church comes to look unhappily like so many purely human institutions, anxious, busy, competitive, and controlling. That ring true? See, I'm so glad. That's why I put it on the screen there. I love the fact that the church is not religious. Thank God the church is not religious because religion is anxious, busy, competitive, and controlling. It strives by human effort to be acceptable to God. So it, de- it demands conformity with zeal, but no compassion. It expresses a fear of a God, Richard Ross says, who is not being experienced. The church is the ecclesia. The church are those that have heard the call, whether it came from inside the structure or outside. They heard the voice say, here I am. Can you hear it this morning? Here I am, standing at the door, knocking. Just open the door. 
I'll come in and eat with you. That's what I had to hear all those years ago after Mel's patience and prayer and love and I guess the prayers of some others when I finally surrendered my nothing to him. I'll come in and eat with you and you with me. So I was like the prodigal coming home. I wasn't sure. My prayer was, God, I don't, I don't know if you want me or you don't because I wouldn't. And maybe you're there this morning. But the church is like the prodigal son coming home really unsure. And then they discover that the father gives them abundantly what they could never earn. Have beauty instead of your ashes. Have joy instead of this misery that's inside your guts all the time. Have, have the, the, the garment of praise instead of that. Like the returning prodigal, <laughs> this is the thing I think I love almost as much as anything about the church. Everybody sitting in this room this morning, if you're in the church, and you can be, it's just as it's accepting the gift. Repent, confess, accept, welcome home. But everybody sitting in this room, we've got one thing in common at least. Not one of us has any right to be in the church. Isn't that fantastic? Nobody. You're not in it because you're good enough. You're not in it because you've got a right to. You have no right to. The thing that unites us is we have received mercy and grace. Mercy, we have not received what we should have, and grace, we've been given in abundance what we didn't deserve. The one thing that unites us is we have no right to be here. What happens when you come back unsure? You, you, you just Some of you I know have been in a desert a long time. And when you suddenly realise there is a river, and all you've got to do is pick your feet up and trust... You're so thankful, aren't you? You're thankful. So thankfulness is not something we strive for. It comes out of seeing where we were and what he's given us and who we are in him. That's thankfulness. And the, the, the scripture reading this morning tells us when we're thankful, it just bubbles out of us in two ways. Okay, one, we sing. We will sing. Now, maybe your singing is like his in the bath on your own. The Bible doesn't say, I mean, when it comes to leading in worship and so on from the, the, the earliest days, God, those that God has given musical skill, they do that. But in terms of singing out of joy to the Lord, that's for everybody. Doesn't, it just says make a joyful noise to the Lord, right? So sing, it just bubbles. It, God put it in us anyway. If your team wins the AFL Premiership or the Championship Cup or whatever your sport is, what bursts forth from the speakers instantly? The song. And they sing it over and over and over until even the, the supporters are begging for mercy. But it's there because it's in us. God put it in us to sing. And we sing to one another. This morning a couple of times I just sat and let you sing to me. And you, 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 you extolled God to me through psalms and hymns. And sometimes songs from the Spirit. Singing with gratitude. And this has always been, the church has been a musical church from day one. Uh, Pliny, the historian, was in Jesus' time. So in the earliest church, he's not a Christian, he writes this. They would spend the whole night in hymns and song. Philo, that historian, says they would meet at dawn to sing a hymn to Christ as God. When we go back to the book of Acts, at some stage we'll get to Paul and Silas flogged in prison wrongfully and about midnight they were praying and singing hymns to God. So it comes out of us 
in joyful singing. And the other way it comes out of us is we will serve. We'll serve. We'll serve not because we have to, but because Christ's love compels us to, as the scripture says. See, following Jesus, we seek others the way he sought us. We were starving, but now we know where the food is. We've seen our place at the table. I want you to find your, there's a place there for you. I want you to find it. In the words of Henry Nguyen, we're wounded healers, but we know where the healing, we know where the wholeness, we know who the wholeness is. And so it bubbles up as street chaplains and in hospitals and schools and sporting teams and as health professionals and as teachers and parents and grandparents and significant others for those who don't have those people present geographically. And it's not just the big things. I know of one Christian leader who's kind of in the senior years now and just quietly goes around washing cars for widows. Uh, wants no attention paid to that. Like Brother Lawrence, these people discover that you can be among the most mundane things, among the pots and pans, and you can do everything for love of him and to show his love to others. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. But it is a choice. Merle and I made different choices all those years ago, thank God. Not long after that, I joined her choice. And I want you to make the right choice this morning, as the Spirit calls, wherever you might be. It's a continuing choice, though. The, the Greek scholar Robinson says, when, when, the, when it says be thankful in this passage, it actually means keep on becoming thankful. And that happens when our focus is on the Father. And that happens when we hear his voice. He's calling you. And by the way, Mel's not the only one. But there's a couple I know who were wounded. Uh, they have never mentioned that. They continue to support and love their church. They are blessing so many and they bless us. I discovered a, a, an article on thankfulness and nine things that thankfulness does. And then I was sat on my heels by finding out that the author, Lisa Apello, is a recently widowed soul mum of seven. And she is focused on being thankful. See, he's calling you into the church. I just feel prompted to close by letting you know what the church is, reminding you what the church is, and, and praying that the Holy Spirit will speak to you as I do. He's calling you to the church, so as you listen to me, listen to him. The church is his bride. You are loved by him, purchased by his blood, devoted to him. And here's the thing, the more you go to him, the more you become like him. We're a temple of the Spirit, filled with the fullness of Christ, empowered by the Spirit as channels. In naturally supernatural ways, often we have no idea what he's doing, but sometimes we do. When Dan last week spoke about praying for someone after Alpha, then uh, I, I just this little voice inside said to me, you should do that next week. Let the church be the church. Let people be thankful for the church by receiving that ministry. Checked it out with the other leaders. They felt, yep, that, we think that's God. And so in a little while, we'll give you an opportunity to come forward and be prayed for whatever, no matter what it is. Let the church be the temple of the Holy Spirit together corporately as the Spirit flows through his people to his people, empowered by him. 
We're the body of Christ, working interdependently. I, I can't name names because over the decades, so many of you have ministered to Mel and I, but we're, we're, I remember once when uh, four people who made a magnificent difference in our lives, uh, we shared something we'd been wanting to do for ages and never getting to, and they immediately said, we'll support you in that. And one said to us, this is the body of Christ. You do what you're called to do. This is what we're empowered to do. And they did. And it was amazingly blessed for us, an amazing blessing for us. And we're called to be branches. You don't have to make the fruit. If you try it, it gets really offy. It stinks. What you have to do is stay close to him. The fruit's his business. But just let him flow through you. Just be close to him. So this morning, what's blocking the flow of Jesus for you? This morning, maybe the Holy Spirit, we're going to, if the worship team would come back, we're going to give you some moments to be with the Lord. Then I'll invite the prayer teams to come forward. Now, there's no pressure, of course. If no one responds, that's fine. But it would be, they would count it a privilege and a blessing. And we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. It'd be good to be it and allow them. Last time we did this, when Craig gave that excellent word a couple of weeks ago, I was really... I knew I was meant to come forward. And it was not a big problem. I came forward, I was delighted to. And, and two brothers that I love and respect prayed for me. And just like Dan's story last week, they had a word for me which has made significant difference. And praying with them is something I treasure. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. Not because you think you should or you want me to feel good. Just listen to the Spirit, the ecclesia, the called out ones. Obey the call. Maybe it's time for you to confess. See, when we wound the church, we wound the body of Christ. Nick told us a story of uh, being in his Bible college as a young student and uh, they were kind of paying out on the churches they were having to work in and feeling frustrations. And, and the Bible school principal, who he said looked a bit like Moses and scared him a bit, he actually said to them, guys, just be careful. He actually rebuked them. He said, be careful what you say about the church. Jesus loves his bride. Yeah, that thing that if you're not part of the problem and you can't be part of the answer, you don't need to be part of the conversation. Just pray. So maybe it's time to say, Lord, yeah, my, my mouth is, I need to, I need your help with that and I want you to forgive me. Maybe it's as simple as saying, Lord, help me to show, help, show me how I can do everything I do for love of you. Like however that brother Lawrence learned it. How can I, in my parenting, in, my, in all the mundane my interaction with my neighbours, as we heard about, just let me do it because I love you and I love them. Show me how, Lord. As we go to that quiet time, there's a story told of a man who asked a contemplative to pray for him. And the contemplative said this, I would be delighted to pray for you. I've seen you often and God seems to have given you so much. God seems to have given you everything you need for happiness. So the best thing I can pray for you is this. I'm going to pray you will always have a grateful heart. That's the gift of God I so need for me. Spend some time with him. Just whatever is real for you. Be with God in this moment and listen. Thank you.
who have agreed to pray would come forward now. That would be really helpful, thanks. And as they do, the, the way we will do this is uh, that we'll stand in a moment and, and it will lead us in our last song with the worship team. Come forward as soon as you stand and we'll make sure that, and, and if there are, if I, I just feel I was meant to give you the opportunity. As I say, there's no pressure. It doesn't matter how many or if you come forward in that sense. But if there are more than immediately, we, we just continue once the last song ends, Craig will steer us through that. So come forward and when someone is available, it'd be such an honour to pray with you. It's a way of saying thank God for the church, huh? Let's stand together. As we sing, let's make your way forward. We'd love to pray. brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.